This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado, The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Prospects 101, the show where we break down football prospects from all levels, high school prospects, college transfers, college recruiting, NFL prospects, and the NFL draft. As always, Prospects 101 is brought to you by our great partners of the show, Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. Remember, you can always interact with Prospects 101 and all the members of the show on social media. That's at Prospects 101 Pod. That's on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram and getting a lot of great interaction with you guys recently. So we appreciate that, but please make sure you follow us and to stay engaged with uh, all of our new episodes as they drop on a weekly basis. And as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Brandon Pastel and Kenny Keller. What's going on, fellas? What's up, Gless? What's up, man? Just watching little NBA finals right now. I know, man. We're, We're getting into a really great part of the sport of this weird sports calendar but we got a lot of really great stuff we got we got the nba on at the the nba conference finals on at the same time mm-hmm. as we have football and that begs me the question guys i gotta ask you this because i know my answer i i indulged in both of these a lot this weekend <laughs> for the college football games on saturday and the nfl games on sunday what was the best food that y'all ate and what was the best adult beverage you had while watching the games man i was pretty bland uh as far as my drinking selection i would argue really just miller light i guess i had a blue wave uh ipa that was pretty good Ooh. but outside of that really just kind of keeping it standard i've been working the weekend so not as much time to do mm-hmm. that however my best food this weekend i did stop by hooters it's right across the street from the hotel that i'm in right now and i got a, a 10 piece hot extra crispy so, so it's funny you say that because that what so I had a very very week, full weekend of wings. So I actually had the same thing, Brandon. I had Hooters with uh, extra crispy, all flappers, hot as well. But that was not the best football food I had this weekend. The best football food I had this weekend was I made some uh, some homemade wings with Creole and Cajun seasoning, 
Very delicious, very good. And I actually did not partake in any adult beverages this weekend just because I didn't hang out with the boys. So normally I don't, I don't, I don't usually drink when I'm by myself. You only with, only with, uh, only socially. Very classy. One, very classy. One, one that's boring. <laughs> that's so boring. You just put everybody to sleep. Yeah. I apologize. <laughs> I'm gonna pick it up. Uh, best football food I ate. It's gotta be tied. I ate a buffalo chicken quesadilla while watching nice. the game on Sunday so there's a spot here in Richmond that uh me and my buddy Kevin go to it's outdoors and it's got all it's got six screens that you can see from the porch so we just sat up there and we'd be able to see six NFL games at a time so I ate that but guys check this check this this flavor out I had wings I had I it was a mix between buffalo sauce parmesan cheese and garlic it was yeah. one of the best wing sauces I've ever had in my life. Okay, do you want to hear? You want to hear something crazy? Do you know what the best wing flavor? They they make kind of the worst wings, so I'm not going to talk about the wings themselves. But the best wing flavor I've probably ever had in my life: salted caramel from Buffalo Wild Wings. Dude, it was wow. out of it was out of control. Good. See, you guys get all fancy with all these different wing sauces and everything. Me, I want a nice crispy wing with a good buffalo sauce. Like, just keep it standard, and I don't deviate off of that. I don't need no garlic, honey, Parmesan, car- caramel, salt wings, man. Nah, give me nice buffalo sauce Pat, with a nice Pat, crispy wing. And, and Kenny, you got all flappers. You got to mix it up, man. No, dude. Oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a flat, flat line guy as well. No. I like flats. I got to go flats. So you pay the extra dollar fifty for all flappers. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah, I think that's the best deal in town. Easily, I, I don't really want the drumsticks if I don't if I don't have them. But uh, you put twelve flats in front of me, man. I'll Ooh. down those in about two minutes. But uh, Pasto Higa, are you a ranch or blue cheese guy? Ooh. I'm gonna need it for wings. What I actually do is I ask for ranch so that when I get fries, I don't have to buy extra ranch for my fries. So I get it because it comes as part of my wings. Got gotcha. so you. I eat, that's why I want a good sauce on my wings. I want I like my wings straight. All right, all right. I'm a, I'm a like blue it. cheese guy, Gless. I like blue cheese. That's my you know, that's my go-to. You, you know, I used to be such a big ranch fan, and I still am, especially when it comes to my French fries. But I got to tell you, if I have a hot like like a, a a hot buffalo sauce, which is generally what I get, it's always hot. Man, I got to have some blue cheese on those, mm-hmm. and they are. It is just. It's it's divine. I'm gonna use the word divine. I like it. I like it. I like where you have that, Gless. But uh, and then uh, best beverage that I had, I had. A lot of Oktoberfest this weekend. Ooh, I had a I, I, Saturday. I probably overindulged in local craft beer. October. I may have tried every brewery in Richmond. I don't know. As I lost count, but uh, it was good, <laughs> dude. Every every time around this year, Gless, I always get kind of like excited. And this year, I'm bummed out. You and I texted about it a little bit. Is we're not going to be able to hit some Oktoberfest festivals before a Nats playoff game this year. I'm I know. Really that bu- was I'm, our bit. I I'm know. really bummed about that. That is awesome. I know. I know. It was great. I mean, you know, Oktoberfest beers, it's the it's the male's version of the pumpkin spice latte, you know. <laughs> they have their they have their pumpkin spice lattes we have in our Oktoberfest. It's fall in a cup. Fall in a cup. I, I don't hate against it. All right, anyways, enough, enough banter, guys. Let's get into some big news. Uh, huge news came out today, and this guy was rumored – to take the that he was in discussions with Florida State, which I, I think would have been a stretch for the guy with no Division One head coaching experience. But guys, Deion Sanders, 
today was hired as the head coach of Jackson State University, a SWAT program that hasn't been very good for a long time. Uh, he rolled up there, limo, police escort, had the band, had the just – I mean, it was it was Neon Dion at his best. I, I loved it. I think it's a brilliant hire by Jackson State. They're a, a middle-of-the-road SWAC program. They've never represented the SWAC in, in what would be the unofficial HBCU National Championship in the Celebration Bowl. They've never been in that. Um, you know, were they just going to – bring in another vanilla offensive or defensive coordinator hired, you know, maybe next guy up, or do they take a big swing and see if they can get a grand slam out of it? And I think that's what they did. And, and everybody's got to remember, Dion also works for Barstool Sports now. Like, that's his marketing arm. That's where he announced that he was accepting the position at Jackson State. Like, dude, you want to get some press on your side? Go have Barstool Sports as your unofficial PR team. I mean – the thing with this is I don't know how good of a coach he's going to be, but I think he's going to be one hell of a recruiter. Could you imagine primetime coming into your house? And just the way he speaks, with the charisma he speaks with, I would probably sign right there. I mean, think about it. His first offer was to a top 20 prospect, five-star player in the 2021 class, and he said, yes, he is now considering Jackson State just like that. Yeah. Because well, of what? Because of their defensive scheme? No way. It's because of Dion Primetime Sanders is in his household saying, "Let's go, man! It's showtime, baby!" <laughs> Look, and there's a and there's right. a and there's a legit movement of kids who want to represent HBCU colleges and what what that stands for: historical black un, college univer, and universities. You know, that's a that's a big movement right now. There's a I think there's what uh, a five star recruit in basketball right now. Basketball who, at going to Howard. Yeah, going to Howard. Yeah, so I mean, this is yeah. this is a perfect opportunity for Jackson State to really put themselves on the map and possibly become a preeminent F- FCS team. Like I, I yeah, uh, Grand Slam hire And I don't think he has to be a good head coach. He just has to be a great CEO. Sell the program. Go go get yourself some coordinators and coaches who can coach the team. Go be Davo Sweeney at Jackson State. Yeah. No, I think you both hit on really great points. One, Deion Sanders is a fantastic marketer. He marketed himself throughout his NFL career as Neon Dion. He had all the had all the commercials. He had all the endorsement deals. Uh, and it, for him to parlay his relationship with Barstool Sports uh, – as kind of his pseudo marketing arm for Jackson State is a brilliant move, and Pat, I agree one one thousand percent. He's going to be an incredible, an incredible recruiter, and Jackson State is going to be really competitive, really fast because they're going to be able to get some really great players in there really quickly. And to your point, Kenny, I, I he just does doesn't have to overcoach. Go find yourself good coordinators, good position coaches, and just do what do what Herm's doing. Right. I mean, that's kind of what that's kind of the new movement in college football because of the demands of the job. You don't necessarily have to be this guy who's great at scheme. You you those guys are a dime a dozen, man. You can find a lot of guys that are great scheme guys. But what you can't find are great recruiters and great CEOs and people that are able to go out and recruit and sit in. Uh, you know, can sit in living rooms and be able to flex Super Bowl rings, be able to parade all pro NFL players in front of them, and be able to really promise I can I can get you prepared to the NFL if there's good enough players that he think can do that. So I think it's a brilliant hire by Jackson State. Uh, you know, I, I can't wait to see what he does there, see some of the big-time recruits that he gets. And I'm sure in no time, guys, when we talk these recruiting, we, we may have a Neon Dion segment 
where we're just covering the next it. big guy that ne- that uh, Deion Sanders gets to commit to Jackson State. So that was some big news today. Then the uh, the other big news we had, the Big Ten schedule was released. It was highly anticipated. Uh, you know, So that came out this week. Uh, some winners and losers. Who'd you guys think? <laughs> I, I, mean, ahead, Kenny, the, I never say the same thing. Nebraska, I, I think we are, yeah. Nebraska is definitely the big loser. Their first three of their first four games are against Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Penn State. But And then their crossover games, which the Big Ten has six, conf, six in conference on your side of the division plus two crossovers. Their two crossovers are Penn State and Ohio State. Like, they just got absolutely punished for basically speaking out against the Big Ten so publicly. And there's, obviously it's not confirmed, but all the college insiders were saying basically the Big Ten decided to stick it to Nebraska. Yeah, and the big winner out of this is obviously Ohio State, which makes me think if there was a chance for a team to go 9-0 and with the conference championship, they set up Ohio State with the easiest out-of-conference schedule. I mean, think about it. they got Nebraska. The, their toughest game is Penn State Week 2. But outside of that, Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan State, and then they finally ended up with Michigan. But, like, where's Wisconsin? Where's Minnesota? Wait, where's some of these other big-time programs that in an all-conference schedule, they're not playing? Like, it's unbelievable that they got the easiest schedule in the Big Ten. And, of course, Nebraska gets the hardest schedule. I'll tell you what, Wisconsin, you talk about Wisconsin, they're set up pretty well too, man. I mean, you're, you're talking Wisconsin's got Illinois, Nebraska, Purdue, Michigan, Northwestern, Minnesota, Indiana, and then Iowa. All those schools, a lot of them could regress. You know, Minnesota's lost a lot of talent. We don't know if Rashard Bateman's going to be cleared or not to come back. Iowa lost a lot of talent. They lost a starting quarterback, a multi-year starting quarterback. Michigan is Michigan. That's always kind of an up and down game, but they beat Michigan. I think it was like 30 or 40 to like 10 last year. Um, and then Purdue's lost a ton of talent, you know? So I, I would at first glance, I feel like Ohio state and Wisconsin are going to walk into the big 10 yeah. championship. Yeah. I think another loser here is Michigan. If you take a look at the schools that they drew from the other conference, they drew Minnesota, which could be down. But if Rashad Bateman, I know that he, I believe he put in paperwork to be reinstated. Mm-hmm. I believe he did that. So if yeah. that's the case, I mean, you're going up against a first round receiver being added to that team that we, I think as a, as a collective group, we're pretty high on. And they also drew Wisconsin right out of that. So they really drew probably the two toughest schools out of the other division, uh, you know, and then they get – the only thing I'll say is they have two of their three toughest games at the end of this season uh, with Ohio State uh, being obviously the last game, and then Penn State will be uh, – I believe that will be their sixth game. So they get them a little bit later, and they'll be a little bit paddle-tested with Wisconsin and, and, and Minnesota – so a, a little bit there, but as far as kind of drawing teams, I mean, they they drew – they didn't draw well. And then, you know, like you guys said, uh, poor Nebraska. I mean, they're just – you know, I, you know, your brother – you know, Paso, your brother's always so positive about Nebraska, and I just – I don't see it. I, I think it's going to be another struggle for them to get out of this conference and at least Which, be 500. To, to Scotty's point, too, this guy's my brother, obviously – he was the only one positive about Navy at halftime last week when we were all like, yeah. this is probably the worst football team in college football. And then they had some miracle run and won, what, 27-24. Uh, so good for him being positive. Winner. Good for him to be positive. I will say, though, if there is one game week one which can make and break 
a team season, I'm looking at that Minnesota versus Michigan matchup. Yep. Yeah, that's like, huge. That's going to be huge. No matter what team loses that game, in this type of season, that's pretty much writing them off if they lose for you know to compete in a Big Ten championship. Hey, yeah. before we move on, speaking of Nebraska, and I just want to get a quick answer from you guys on this because I've always thought this. Is Nebraska moving to the Big Ten possibly one of the worst decisions a team's ever made by switching conferences? Mm. Uh, I know from a a financial standpoint they're making more money. I understand that. So I guess overall the athletic program is probably fiscally better off than it was. But they have yet to be even moderately competitive in the Big Ten. It's it's hard for me to think of another school that left. The only other one that I could think is Colorado. Colorado, you know, they had that one year in the Pac-12. But besides that, they've been doormats. Um, and they haven't been able to recruit. At least they were competitive in the Big 12. Yeah. They're not really even competitive in the Pac-12 other than that one season where they miraculously won the South because all of the teams were down, right? Arizona State was down. SC was down. UCLA was doing what UCLA does and, you know, win six games. Uh, so uh, Colorado would be another school I'd put in there. But, man, I, I agree with you. I think that <laughs> right, right they're now, getting a lot of money out of it, but yeah. man, I tell you what, they haven't been very successful. Well, it's because the expectation is—I well, mean, the, first of all, they are bad, but the expectation is for them to compete for a Big Ten championship. And when you bring over a coach like Scott Frost, when you get a player who, the last two years after his freshman year, Taylor Martinez, has been mentioned as a dark horse for the Heisman. So when you kind of bring in this hype and you have a six-game winning season, you know, and I think a losing season before that, like. Yes, it's very frustrating for a college football fan, especially as a Nebraska football fan, because not only have they not even met expectation, they have fallen far, far, far below it with really no arrow pointing up right now. Like the only glimpse of hope that I have for Nebraska is Taylor Martinez has some ridiculous comeback year and carries that team to an eight-win season or seven-win season this year, I guess. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's a tough draw for them. The only thing they have going for them is at least they're on the, they're on the weaker side of the Big, <laughs> the big Ten. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, that's really kind of where they luck out. At least they're not like at least they're not Maryland. Like Maryland mm. is looking up at Michigan, Ohio State and Penn State. And in some years, Michigan State literally every season. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that I, I, I tell you what, you know what? I, You know what, Kenny? I, I retract my statement. I think Maryland <laughs> moving to the Big Ten may have been worse than Nebraska moving to the Big Ten. That's fair. That's a fair point. <laughs> that's a fair point. All right, guys, let's get into this week's uh, opening coin flip. Now that the Big Ten is now playing, uh, four, out of the, four out of the five Power Five conferences are playing in 2020. The Pac-12 is rumored to have for a late October start as well. They'll vote on that next week. But as of right now, who has the best conference from top to bottom in 2020? I, I, I think I it's I think it's got to be S, I think it's got to be SEC. Um, you know I don't want to come off as as team SEC or podcast SEC, but you got LSU, Bama, Texas A and M, Auburn, Florida, Georgia. I mean uh, those are all ridiculously good teams. They're all pretty much annual playoff contenders. Um, you know, and then you got teams like Tennessee and South Carolina and Mississippi that, you know, every four or five years tend to be a top 25, even top 15 team, you know, and, and you and they're really looking up. I mean, look at Mich- Mississippi State has Mike Leach there. Ole Miss has Lane Kiffin. Tennessee's had some great recruiting classes the last couple of years, and their arrow seems to be pointing up. 
Um, South Carolina's in a little bit of a funk, uh, but even Kentucky's playing very well under Mike Stoops. So um, really, I, I think the middle of the conference is even better than a lot of, you know, I would what I would consider the B tier most conferences. So I, I think it's very hard to argue against the SEC. So, and we're talking about this year in particular. So it's not about the potential of Tennessee. It's not about the the potential of some of these schools. We're talking about right now, this year. What yeah, talking team, about 2020. 2020. Mm-hmm. And right. so I agree with you, Kenny, because I think, like kind of what you just said, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Auburn, Florida, Texas A&M, these are all teams, six teams right now in the AP top 10, top 10, where I think most other conferences, and I understand they haven't factored in, the Big Ten completely yet, and they haven't factored in, obviously, the Pac-12. But even if you were to spread that across those conferences, you're probably looking at six to seven teams in the top 20 where you would be hard to find that many teams in any other conference if they were playing right now in the top 20. So I do mm-hmm. I do believe from the top to the middle is the best conference. Uh, I do think the ACC is ascending, but they're a year away. Um, I, I, I see I see teams like UNC, Virginia Tech, Louisville. I mean, we saw what Georgia Tech can do. They also have a lot of turnovers to go with that. But you see a lot of these this talent, Boston College. Like you see all this thing, all these these arrows pointing up, and the coaches. We're talking about awesome coaches there, awesome recruiting classes, things that we have not seen from the ACC in so long, but they're just another year away. Uh, so right now, this year, I would argue the SEC, the Big Ten is an interesting case. They have a lot of good ta- uh, talent. But I would argue outside of Ohio State, maybe Penn State, I could name five other SEC schools before I would put another uh, team in the Big 12 in yeah. that category. So, like, Minnesota might be the next best one, or Wisconsin might be the best. Yeah. But they would be fifth best in the SEC. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys. I, I don't think we have to spend too, too much time on this meet. Yeah, just those six, you know, just if you look at the top top six out of each conference, you know, SEC, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Auburn, Florida and Texas A&M, and then maybe even if you take one tier below that, you've got your Kentuckys, uh, Tennessees. Um, you know, some people could argue that even Mississippi State would be completely uh, – would be very competitive in a Big 12 or an ACC, whereas they'll probably be, you know, third, you know, prob- probably fourth in that, 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 that the Western division. Um, so I got to go with you guys. Really, not much of an opening coin flip this week, as we all seem to agree. We rarely uh, agree, but this is one. We rarely we agree on anything, but apparently, you know, we agree on that. So, well, guys, let's let's go ahead and kind of recap uh, week two from a prospects and players perspective. Uh, players' stock who rose this week after their week three performance. Kenny, why don't you start us off? Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether they're our corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. 
You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring even more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash podcast. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Yeah, so I have five guys, and and the first guy I want to start off with was Darius Hodge from Marshall. Uh, very, very good game, and, and, he, and it's another game that that he's really stood out to me. The first game I know was against Eastern Kentucky, but he had a bunch of tackles for losses. He had a couple sacks, and then and then against a very, very potent and a very, very experienced Appalachian State offense, he just goes out and, again, is puts constant pressure on quarterback Zach Thomas and just is a constant havoc in the back in the backfield. He had he had uh, one and a half tackles for loss. He had one and a half sacks, uh, three total tackles. I mean, the guy was just consistently in the back in the in the backfield all game long to hold that Appalachian State team to seven points. So that was a guy I really liked. Uh, a quarterback I really liked was Phil Yurkovich, and this is my guy. I know I talked about him last week. But I watched that game, and it, yeah, the first half was a little rough. You know, it was their first game. It was a little bit out of sync. He kind of threw a, a bad pick. But then the second half of the game, my goodness, he just absolutely caught fire and really looked like the quarterback that everybody was touting coming out of high school. You know, he ended up his numbers ended up being 17 for 23, 300 yards and two touchdowns. Now, those aren't necessarily extremely gaudy numbers, but just watching him on film and watching that game, this guy's the real deal. He has it. Like, he's able to move around in the pocket, evade pressure, do a lot of things you can't teach quarterbacks. So for just his numbers and what I saw from him as a potential prospect, he's actually my FBS uh, – my sorry, my P5 elite prospect of the week. Now, the third guy I really liked was Kenneth Walker the third, running back from Wake Forest. Mm. True – True Homer. freshman, a little Homer pick, but he was a true freshman last year and showed um, showed moments of brilliance. He's got tremendous speed. He might be one of the fastest players at running back in the ACC, uh, and that's saying something with Trevor Etienne in the conference. But all he did was go out and have 131 yards rushing and three touchdowns against NC State last week. It just absolutely looked explosive. It is really going to be the engine that moves this Wake Forest offense, which by all means looks extremely potent. You know, they dropped 42 points. Unfortunately, they lost because their defense just isn't that great. But this is a guy who I think is going to do big things and is really going to is really going to show himself this year as one of the top 
10 to 15 running backs in the entire country. I was very pleasantly surprised at the, at the, at his improvement this year from last year as a true sophomore. Uh, Another guy that really excited me and surprised me was Luke Anthony. This was a guy when we interviewed Louisiana Tech's beat reporter uh, that was probably going to be the backup quarterback. He was a starter at Abilene Christian, and he grad transferred to Louisiana Tech. Now, that's a pretty big jump. Um, going from FCS to the FBS like that, and especially from Abilene Christian, which wasn't necessarily a top FCS program. But, you know, he started out on the bench, sat the first half, and Louisiana Tech got behind big time. You know, they, they were down, I believe, 17 points at halftime. What did he do? He just goes out and casually throws for 150 yards and three touchdowns, including the game-winning touchdown at pretty much at the buzzer with 14 seconds left to complete the comeback and, and beat Southern Miss 31-38. By the way, this is a huge rivalry game for them. Southern Miss and Louisiana Tech are big rivals. So for him to come out and do that and, and really just take the starting job by the reins makes him my G5 elite prospect of the week. Uh, really impressed by the way he played. And then my last guy, I'm quarterback heavy this week, guys. I love me some quarterbacks, and this guy stood out to me, was Desmond Ritter. Now, I know they played Austin P. not necessarily the – the best competition, but if you if you remember the last couple of years, Cincinnati hasn't had the best quarterback play, and Desmond Ritter hasn't been the most consistent quarterback. He really has shown glimpses, but has never really been able to put it together. I was very impressed with how he looked. He had four carries for 57 yards, a 38-yard long. Um, he was 13 for 19, 196 yards, and two touchdowns, but he looked decisive. He looked like he knew where he was going with the football. He displayed that dual threat athleticism that's made him, you know, such a, a, a high ceiling player. And it looks to me like he's kind of grown into that ceiling so far this year. Now, again, I get it. It was Austin P, but he did not have a lot of games like this last year. So it was really encouraging to see that. And if he can, if he can do that the rest of the year, Cincinnati's going to be a problem on a national level. And, and those are my five guys who I thought had a really big impact on their stock pointing up. Well, well, think about it. Desmond Howard, remember, he has Cincinnati as a playoff team. So that, I like it, Kenny. Let me go into a couple guys that I think did a great job. Now, after seeing Derek King lead Miami as a true leader of that football team and beat the snot out of Louisville, do you know who the best player on that football field was? It was a kicker named Jose Borgales. I'm saying this guy is the real deal, probably the best kicker in college football. He was uh, five or five field goals. His long was 57, and this guy said he was kicking 70-yard field goals in pregame. Like, holy moly. Like, he's, he, this guy is phenomenal. So I think this guy is something to watch out for. He's a senior at Miami. Javion Hawkins, the running back for Louisville, on the other side of the football team, they had one job on Miami's defense, and that was to stop Javion Hawkins because that game, that passing game is nothing without the running game for Louisville. And so Miami put a lot of effort into stopping the running game, and he still went out there and rushed for 164 yards and a TD. All that did was show me that this guy is the real deal from Louisville, and when the focus is on you and you can still rush for over 150 yards and almost 200 total yards, like that, that, I love seeing that when everyone game plans around you. The next guy is kind of hits home with me a little bit because he was once a Virginia Tech football player, linebacker to uh, Tavante Beckett. We've mentioned him before. He plays for Marshall. Right now, he leads per average tackles for all linebackers in college football with the most tackles. Mm-hmm. Last game, he had 16 tackles. He had one forced fumble. And when I thought he was more of kind of a middle linebacker, you know, just pounder, won't be able to, like, 
if it was sideline to sideline, I'd say right now he completely shocked me. Like, this guy was all over the field. I know he's a little bit undersized. I think he's about 5'10", 5'11", but I think this guy is going to be on a team uh, come next year uh, playing for an NFL football team on Sunday. So that guy showed a lot to me. This guy, I just want to give a quick shout-out to the running back for Georgia Tech, Jameer Gibbs. Kenny, I know you mentioned the Wake Forest running back being one of the fastest players uh, in, you know, the ACC as a running back. This guy's the next Reggie Bush. I, mean, I know that says a lot, but I mean, that's what his coach mentioned. If you had described this guy as a player, he mentioned Jameer Gibbs, who's a true freshman for Georgia Tech, as the next Reggie Bush. I mean, he had 66 yards on the ground. He had 60 yards in the passing game, uh, both t- touchdowns for passing and rushing, and he also had a 75-yard kickoff return to open the game. Completely electric player for Georgia Tech. He's going to be so much fun to watch uh, in the next few years. Cameron Harris, we mentioned him last week. But the, but the thing with him that I want to quickly bring up with him again was I love the way he cut, the balance he had last week. I never knew he had that type of speed. I mean, he was blowing away from guys. I believe he had a 75-yard touchdown this past game. And it makes sense because he had nine rushes for 134 yards and a TD. So the fact that he was able to show that pull-away speed, in my opinion, only upped his draft, draft stop for next year. The very last guy I want to mention, and we watched, we mentioned him as a prospect to watch, right, in the last uh, – episode last podcast and that was Zayden mm-hmm. Collins mm-hmm. this guy versus Oklahoma State I said he had to come up big holy crap did he come up big he had three sacks four tackles for losses and six solo tackles against Oklahoma State you want to know why Tulsa was in that game point to this guy right here because he was a key factor and maybe the biggest factor in that game to shutting down that offense until the fourth quarter Dude, Zayden Collins was all over the field He's and it was so much fun to watch I was flipping between that game and uh, and the Navy game, and I was just stunned. One, I was stunned at, and I don't want to give away past all your 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 player, but I, I was stunned that Oklahoma State just couldn't do more on offense. But a lot of it had to do with how effective Zayvon Collins was for Tulsa. So, like I say every week, guys, as player stock goes up, that means other player stocks go down. So, Kenny Pastel, who are some guys that their you felt like their stock fell when it came to their NFL prospectus? Uh, for for me, I thought Levi Lewis, and it's not necessarily that he had an awful game. Um, I mean, he didn't have a great game. He let Georgia. He had a lot of mistakes that let Georgia Te- Georgia State hang around in that game longer than they should have, and almost win the game. But this guy has appeared in thirty four football games, and to me, it looked like he was in his first ever game against Georgia State. I mean, this guy threw two awful picks. Like, didn't even see guys just sitting in their zone, threw it right to him. But then he had multiple plays where he, you know, he, he ran out of bounds and took like a four-yard loss instead of throwing it away as they were driving down the field to try and score before halftime, which then he ultimately threw a pick right there in the red zone. I mean, just did so many head-scratching had so many head-scratching issues and so many head-scratching plays that I'm like, man, this guy's playing like a true freshman and not a four-year or fifth-year senior. And I don't get it because last year this guy had a 65% completion percentage. He set tons of records in the Sun Belt. He had, you know, he had 26 to 4 touchdown and interception ratio. Like this guy knows Billy Napier's offense inside and out and plays extremely well. And honestly, yeah, they beat Iowa State, but he just – you know, he played okay, and, and then he goes out, and after I defended him in last week's pod, he just goes out and, and just puts up another stinker uh, against Georgia State. He really needs to figure it out because he's not playing like a fifth-year senior right now, and he's not playing like a guy who absolutely lit up uh, the Sun Belt last year. I don't know what he's doing, but he needs to get his head on straight. 
Speaking of falling short of expectation, how about a guy named Chuba Hubbard? I said last week, guys, to watch. And this guy, I said, if you want to be in Heisman, your Heisman campaign starts week one. Well, you crapped the bed on that one, Chuba. Yeah, and you can look at the stat line. He had 93 yards and one touchdown. But watch the game. That's like saying Drew Brees the other night, who threw for 310 yards with a TD. But if you watch the game, the guy looked horrible. You watch Chuba, he was not explosive. He wasn't hitting his holes. And I know he didn't have a lot of holes to hit. But if you want to be in the first round, you're talking about guys like Travis Etienne. You want to be, guy, you want to be better than him? You want to be in a top 20 pick? you got to have more than that against Tulsa. you got to be more explosive. So big time disappointment for me. I'm not going to say he fell out of the first round, but he definitely didn't help his draft stock this past weekend. Yeah, I was really disappointed what I saw out of him. I mean, I, I was thinking against Tulsa, a G5 opponent. You know, there are a lot of high hopes um, in Stillwater for that team. You know, a lot of people thought that returning quarterback, right, got another year under his belt. And all Mike Gundy's been able to do there is win a lot of ball games. So, I, I you know, I, I thought that he was going to be able to go out and pretty much own the field. And he just kind of looked very average. And to be quite honest with you, Oklahoma State was lucky they didn't lose that game. Um, and made yeah. the bit and would have made the Big Twelve look a lot worse than it already does. Going one and four so far. I still you sweat that game a little bit, knowing that the two teams you thought would have a have a dark horse shot in the Big Twelve at a playoff would have lost the first two games of the season. Yeah, that would have sucked. But <laughs> I I had a little faith in my boy Tylen Wallace, which he did step up when he needed to step up, and I think I actually projected propelled that team to get back into. Uh, in front of Tulsa that game, actually give them a W. Oklahoma State's lucky they got a good true freshman quarterback because their other backup quarterback, their initial backup quarterback stinks. Yeah, he stinks. Speaking of that, that's a great segue, Kenny, because for my he stinks coach segment, I got three of them. I know I had four last week. I've got two players and a team. Uh, first one, Chase Bryce, quarterback out of Duke. A lot of hype for this guy. But, guys, no doubt about it, he stunk up the joint on Saturday against Boston College, 23 for 42 for 217 yards, no touchdowns, and two picks, a QBR, a QBR of 31.2, just all around a bad day. I thought Duke was going to be able to go in there after, in, in my opinion, holding their own against Notre Dame and really just needed a few big plays late in the third to stay in that game and give Notre Dame a sweat. Uh, but he went out there and just stunk it up. So it, he's one of my he stinks coach. Uh, Keon Howard, quarterback out of Tulane. This one was this one was interesting because I remember I was I was flipping between this game and the Navy game. Uh, I'm sorry, the Oklahoma State and the Navy uh, Tulane game. And I watched Tulane for three series in a row just march down the field. Navy could couldn't do anything. And Keon Howard was a part of that in the run game. And then all of a sudden, it just completely stopped. And Navy's defense hard, and they stopped the run. And Keon Howard against a Navy defense that is undersized went 10 for 25 in the passing game, 108 yards, a pick, and a QBR. This may be a prospects 101 record so far in three weeks of doing the show. An 11.8 QBR against some would argue an inferior defense based on what they had done against BYU. Keon Howard, he stinks, coach. And then my last he stinks, how about USF? Okay, I understand they're playing Notre Dame. I get it that Notre Dame is probably going to be one of the teams considered to go into the playoffs, right? They'll, they'll probably only lose one game in the ACC, maybe two if they get tripped up. But 
231 yards of total offense. They gave up 429 on defense. The game was over early, and I actually hit this one. It was one of my bets last week. Notre Dame minus 22 took Notre Dame and the points. They said, hey, that's funny. I listen to Prospects 101. I'm with you, Gless. We're going to put up 52. How about that? So USF, they stink, Coach. I I don't know. Okay, they didn't win decisively against the Citadel either. So I don't know how many games USF's going to win this year, but Whoa. that game was over early, and they looked like an FB, uh, F, they looked like an FCS squad out there. So USF, you get my third. He stinks, coach, for the week. Yeah, they were they were pretty bad. I mean, those are all great. I I, I debated having Chase Bryce as one of mine uh, as well. He just he is not looking great, and I I don't know. You know, David Cutcliffe can work his magic on Bryce. At this point. Now, he's the transfer from Clemson. Transfer? Yep. Clemson, that's right. That's and right. everyone said it was kind of like USC. Remember when, uh, who was it, Carson Palmer got drafted? or uh, Matt Castle. Matt Castle or got drafted but never really played at USC. Like, well, he, no one ever knew because he could have been, even though he was the best backup, he could have been the second best quarterback in college football. And so I heard somewhere a couple weeks ago, they were like, well, if Trevor Lawrence has been the best quarterback, who knows? Maybe uh, Bryce was the second best this whole time. Uh, nope, they're wrong mm-hmm. on that one. <laughs> well, that and the fact that Matt Matt Castle was like a consensus number like one or two recruit in the country as well. He just happened to be sitting behind a, a Heisman winner. Ugh. Whoops. Anyways, t- t- tough week for those guys in my eyes. Uh, hopefully that Chase Bryce can get together. Keon Howard. Ugh. That was that was an ugly performance, but all right, guys. Enough with week two. Let's get to week three. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. Enough for week three. Now let's get to week four with our game day radar. And I've got four guys that I'm really looking forward to watch this weekend. And a lot of it is because they are going out here for their first games. And I think all four of my guys are guys that have yet to play a snap here in 2020, but guys that I think are going to be playing on Sundays and they'll be, they'll, they'll be very successful. First guy, Trayvon Morig, safety out of TCU. They play Iowa state passing offense, but Tra- uh, uh, Trayvon Morig is one of the best free safeties in the country. He is part of arguably the best safety combo at TCU Physically, he's got the size to play in the NFL. He had a fantastic season last year at TCU, so I can't wait to see what he does against the uh, the Iowa State offense. Second guy, Charles Snowden. Size-wise, guys, this guy's six or six seven, a complete freak. He's long. He's aggressive. He can he can play the pass. He can obviously play the run against UVA. Oh, at UVA, can't wait to see what he does against Duke. I think he's a guy that can go up a lot of draft boards with a really great 2020. Uh, three, actually two guys together because they're they're a package team. I'm gonna go. Um, I think it's Jock uh, Horn. Uh, Jack Horn and Israel uh, Mukamu, those are the starting cornerbacks for South Carolina against Tennessee. A lot of people would argue that those two are the best corner tandem in the SEC. Uh, Israel uh, Mukamu, I believe, is 6'4". I, th- I think he's 6'4". Like a yeah, he's a big dude. Freak. Yeah, he's a big dude. Uh, but both guys are very highly regarded, going to be very hard to throw over those guys because of how well they play. I can't wait to see them in action in 2020. I have really high hopes, so can't wait to see what they do against Tennessee on Saturday. And number four, 
hey, who's going to replace Tua? But Mac Jones got the official nod this week, starting quarterback for your Alabama Crimson Tide against Missouri. I think Alabama scores early and often, and I get to, I, and, I, and I'm really hoping we see kind of a lights out performance from Mac Jones. Are we going to get a quarterback that is kind of the more traditional uh, Alabama quarterbacks? You know, when you're talking about. Um, you know, kind of those guys that were just handing the ball off to Heisman Trophy winners, or are you going to get a more dynamic quarterback like we saw out of Tua Tagovailoa down there at Alabama? So really excited what we can uh, – what I'm going to see out of Mac Jones this Saturday here against the Missouri Tigers. So, Pasta, how about you? Who, who's on your radar this weekend? So the one receiver – and this is because I just follow the team obviously quite a bit, and that's Trey Turner from Virginia Tech. Obviously, we have not seen Virginia Tech yet, even though most ACC schools have played. Hopefully, we see them this weekend. But Trey Turner, hey, it's, it's your time. You're now the number one receiver. We've seen some big plays out of you, your freshman, your sophomore year. You have been consistent really all 12 games. But now that you're the number one, I want to see what you can do because you have all the talent in the world. You have a returning quarterback, most returning players. So let's see you have a big, team out, big game out there and really propel yourself onto uh, the NFL draft boards now the other guy is Kyle Trask a lot of hype coming in uh this offseason from him saying he's the best quarterback in the SEC now I've been let down before when it's not an Alabama player so please reverse that trend and say that you are the best quarterback and don't let Alabama or Georgia overtake that from you the third guy I think is probably the most underrated linebacker in the nation Nick Bolton the linebacker from Missouri and I say underrated because I think this guy has first round potential and you just don't ever hear his name obviously because he probably plays at Missouri. But that being said, they're playing Alabama this week. And we've said it time and time again. Scouts will watch two or three game films, and they're going to watch against the best teams that you face. So, Nick Bolton, you're playing Alabama this week. Guess what? All the scouts by the end of the year will watch this game tape. So ha- go out there and have a big game uh, and, and watch yourself really become a first-round pick because of this or not. Kenwin Mond. Are you the real deal or not? I'm so tired of this stupid hype coming in every single year saying Texas A&M's top 10 team. You're a Heisman candidate. Guess what, bro? You're a senior now. You have all the recruits on your side. You have most of your players returning. You've got all the coaches coming back. If you're not the real deal this year, I'm not even going to take a risk on you in the draft. I just don't believe in you. I don't believe in your skill set. But if you want to change my mind, that starts this week. The last guy is really the offensive line for Tennessee. Trey Smith and Cade Mays can make an argument that they're probably some of the best linemen in the country and both could be first-round picks. Uh, Trey Smith obviously has recovered from the blood class that he had really about a year and a half ago. So for him, it's just show that you can do it a, another year, recovering from that, uh, that type of injury. Cade Mays, you're coming over from Georgia, big-time player for Georgia. If you can prove that you can do it with Tennessee as well, then I can see you being a late first round, early second uh, second round pick. So I'm looking out for Tennessee's offensive line this week. Yeah, so for me, I got a, a, about five guys that I'm really looking forward to. Number one is Ardarius Washington, safety from TCU, and the other half of that safety combo that Gless mentioned earlier with Trayvon Morick. Um, you know, a little undersized. He's 5'8", but this guy absolutely – makes plays all over the field. He had five interceptions last year. Uh, he you know, had a lot of tackles. He can play at the line of scrimmage. He can, he can drop back and play in coverage. Like, he's an absolute terror. He's a wrecking ball. And, look, hey, you're playing against 
what a quarterback most consider a top 10 quarterback in the country, Brock Purdy. So if you go out there and you can pick him off, you can make his day a living nightmare and really do some damage against Iowa State. That's a, that's a good way to get your name on, on the board. Uh, another guy I'm really looking forward to, he's making his season debut, is quarterback Holton Aylers. Uh, obviously, I've mentioned his name on the pod before. A super dynamic quarterback uh, at East Carolina. He's got some mobility. He's decent. Uh, he's a He's got decent – uh, mobility, but this guy's a pure gunslinger, and he's improved from his freshman to his sophomore year, and to become really one of the top quarterbacks in the American. And I think if he can continue to improve, he can really be a thorn in the side of a lot of upper tier AAC teams, and he can really improve his stock because the arm talent is there. What really he needs to show is that he's developed touch and accuracy throughout his time at ECU. So looking forward to seeing him take another step from his sophomore to junior season. Now my next guy is Jarrett Doge, quarterback from West Virginia. Big fan of this guy. He was one of the top quarterbacks in the MAC his freshman and sophomore season at Bowling Green State University. And then he transferred to West Virginia, but he really didn't get any starts last year until the last four games of the season. What did he do? He went 3-1 and one as a starter played really well, and then all he did was go out game one, and I get it was against Western, or Eastern Kentucky, but he absolutely balled out pretty much in one half. He put up – he went 19 for 25, 76 completion percentage, 228 yards, and three touchdowns with 9.1 yards average to temp. Like, this guy is an absolute – maniac. He's a great quarterback. I think Neil Brown is finally realizing that this is the future of West Virginia football. And I think him going up against uh, going up against uh, Oklahoma State is going to be a really, really great uh, matchup. And it could be a it could be what we it could be shown as a dark horse contender for, you know, maybe the second or third spot in the Big 12. Um, right up there around Texas, so it's going to be interesting. And this is what West this is what West Virginia needs to take the next step. And then my final guy is Miles Brennan. Miles Brennan, the guy who has been one of the top recruit quarterback recruits in Louisiana State history, uh, right there for LSU. He was the number six overall quarterback coming out in 2016, and he's you know he sat behind Joe Burrow for two years. He's played sparingly, but this guy can absolutely spin it. He's 6'4", 185 pounds, absolute cannon for an arm. And, you know, there has to be a reason LSU did not hit the grad transfer portal to get a quarterback. And I think it's because they believe that Miles Brennan is the guy. I think he's ready to take the next step. And he's going up against a decent Miss, uh, Ole Miss team. So this is going to be a, a good test for Miles Brennan and, and to see what he can bring to the table. I think that's going to be a really, a really big shootout type of game. And that is a perfect segue into our bet online segment, the segment where we talk about spreads, over-unders, and our locks of the week. And of course, brought to you by our great sponsor, Bet Online. I'm going to start this segment off. I went two and two last week, and for the season, I am four and five, looking to change around that luck. The first game I want to start off with segues perfectly after talking about Miles Brennan is. Mississippi State at LSU. I'm taking the over in that game of 57. That is a, I think that's going to be a very high-scoring game. You have Mike Leach, who is, who is running the air raid at Mississippi State with a good quarterback in K.J. Costello. And then LSU is going to have Miles Brennan, a, ton, a lot of offense coming back. I don't know if you guys heard this, but LSU linebackers are calling 
their freshman tight end, the best tight end they've ever seen in NCAA, in, in college football. So he was national Gator, yeah, he was the National Gatorade Player of the Year last year. What we'll is? see. We'll see. Yeah, right. That, but I think this game goes over 57 super easily because LSU lost a ton of talent on defense and really only has Derek Stingley coming back. I have Texas uh, laying 18 at Texas Tech. I think Texas covers that easily. Especially against a Texas Tech team that had uh, extreme difficulty getting past Houston Baptist. The next game I like is Louisville plus two at Pittsburgh. I think I'm taking Louisville and the points, and honestly, I think Louisville wins the game personally. The next game I like is Alabama laying 27 and a half points at Missouri. I'm taking Bama and the points, and I know 27 and a half sounds like a ton of points, but guys, listen to this statistic. Nick Saban is 13-0 and straight up and 12-1 and against the spread in season openers at Alabama with an average score of 41-11 to and an average cover of nine points per game. Mm. They are absolutely going to dominate Missouri. I don't think it's going to be close, so I feel comfortable at taking Alabama laying 27 and a half. And then my last game that I feel super confident in is Ole Miss covering – 14 and a half versus Florida. I'm taking Ole Miss in the points. I think it's a classic week one game. I do think Florida wins the game, but I do have a lot of confidence in John Reese Plumley, who might be the most dynamic quarterback in the SEC. And I have confidence that Lane Kiffin is going to find a lot of unique ways to use him and at least keep the game close. Again, I do think Florida wins, but I am taking Ole Miss to cover. Gless, what do you got? Yeah, I went three or well, I went one and two last week. Uh, three and three overall, so right there, hovering right at five hundred. Uh, I did, I, I, I did win the South Florida Notre Dame. I had Notre Dame minus twenty two, so won that one. Uh, I lost ULL against Georgia State. They, the old raging Cajun really let me down by winning in overtime and not covering. I think it was minus eleven. Uh, and then my, you know, I thought Georgia Tech was going to cover as eight point dogs, and they clearly didn't. Losing by 21 points. So, you know, I, it, it's a new week, guys, for me. So I've, I've got four this week. Uh, first one, I've got Army at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's laying the 14. I'm actually going to take Army this week. Army in the points. I think they lose, but I think it's really close. I think it's a close game. So definitely take an Army to cover that or uh, uh, to cover that minus 14. Um, next one, Duke UVA. UVA's laying five and a half. I'm going to take UVA in the points at that. I think that UVA's defense will be way too much for Duke to handle. And I think UVA will have enough on offense to at least put up some points. Uh, third one, actually the only SEC game uh, game that I picked, Kentucky versus Auburn. Uh, the over-under was at 48-and-a-half. Tell you what, that, that seemed extremely low to me with an offensive guy like Gus Malzahn returning, you know, got a bunch of guys returning at Auburn or on Auburn. Uh, so I'm going to take the over 48 and a half there. Uh, that one seemed extremely low. So either Vegas just knows a lot more than I do, which that could prob- that could be the case, but seems a little bit low for me. So I'm going to take that over. Uh, Florida State versus Miami. Uh, this was probably probably my most controversial. So Florida State at Miami. Uh, Miami's laying the 11 and a half. I'm taking Miami in the points, but I'm taking Miami big. I've seen what Miami's done the last two weeks. I watched Florida State against Georgia Tech. I don't think Florida State has anything for Miami. So Miami, big, that 11 and a half. And so I'm taking Miami and the points. Those are my four locks for the week, my four fatties. 
Eddie. Okay, let's keep it rolling then. So last, so overall, I'm four and three. I was one and one last week due to two, two cancellations or two postponements, I guess. So with that being said, I got five games this week. I've got Oklahoma laying 28 against Kansas State. I think Oklahoma wins, and I think they win big. I think Kansas State sucks this year, honestly. Uh, Mississippi State versus LSU. Uh, I'm going to Mississippi State on this one. I, I, I know it's going to be big time. I think the, I know, Ken, you had the over and so forth. But I got Mississippi State plus 16.5 right now. Um, I just think LSU lost too much to be too good game one. And that's really my analysis on that. Uh, Army for Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati wins this game, but I got Army plus 14. I think Army – uh, covers that spread, and they and they win the spread, really, more or less. But Cincinnati wins that game. SMU versus Stephen F. F. Austin, uh, that's plus 35 for Stephen F. Austin, and I got SMU winning that game against the spread. The fifth game is Tulane versus Southern Miss. Southern Miss is laying three points. So I'm going to go ahead and take Tulane and the points in that game. Mm. Paso, you and I are all in Army this week, huh? Uh, we are, and I, I just got yeah, a close game. To, at it's, least to cover, yeah. Fourteen seemed high for that. It's against the option, man. Yeah, you just you just gotta hope the uh, you just gotta hope Cincinnati puts up points. If you're taking Cincinnati, you gotta hope they put up points quick and get Army out of their game. And Gless, I think you and I are gonna close out the segment tonight. That's right. That's Brandon right. seems to have dropped off. Some technical difficulties. So, anyways, we'll bring it home. So, all right, Kenny, let's talk some recruiting news. Wouldn't be Prospects 101 if we didn't cover some some high, some uh, some recruiting stuff that happened this week. Not really a whole lot happened. Uh, first one, Damon, uh, Damon David, four-star safety out of Reistertown, which is right outside of the Maryland uh, – right outside of Baltimore, Maryland, decides to go – across the coast and signs with Oregon. And I think it's interesting because this is a big time, um, kind, of, kind of a big time shift for Oregon, man. Now they're at, on the East coast and they're really getting a ton of momentum on the recruiting trail. So impressive, another impressive get for Mario Cristobal at Oregon. And they're really kind of throwing kind of, man, I tell you what, it reminds me of the mid two thousands and, and, you know, when they started to accumulate a lot of talent in 2010, 11, and 12. But, man, they get a lot of talent coming to Eugene. Um, top transfer, got Dylan McCaffrey opted out uh, and is looking to transfer out of Michigan. So I thought that news was pretty interesting. Kenny, any any tingle on where you think he may go? Uh, I haven't – there hasn't really been a, a, um, a consensus, but his dad – I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, his dad coaches at an FCS program, correct? Uh, like, Ed? I think Ed, I think Ed coaches at a at a FCS program, I believe. If I'm not uh, correct. Uh, or if I'm if I'm correct. Um yeah, he yeah he's North, at North Northern Colorado. Yeah. Would it be would it be out of the realm of possibility if he just dropped uh, down and played for his dad? Uh could be. It just depend I, I don't know. I mean it just depends on I mean, I feel like if you're at Michigan, I, I feel like in the transfer portal, sh- probably should be able to get a, and and at least an FBS look. If not, was Northern Colorado FCS? Yeah, they're FCS. They're FCS. In the, they're in the Big Sky, which is one of the bigger FCS conferences. Yeah, and, yeah, and maybe. Way, yeah, it could be. Northern Colorado is no joke. I believe. Um, oh man, Gless, what was the wide receiver for? Um, Vincent Jackson. Vincent Jackson's from Northern Colorado. He used to play for the Chargers. 
Yeah, no, I remember. You know, that. you know who else is from Northern Colorado, by the way? Your boy Reed Dowdy. Oh, is he really? Hey, yeah. you know what? Reed played a lot of games for my skins, for my Washington football team. So, you know, I like that. Uh, top, uh, really only one big D commitment this week, Tyon Evans. He was the top JUCO running back, uh, for those who follow recruiting, decommitted from Tennessee. And all signs point to going to South Carolina, which would be a massive get for Will Muschamp to be able to get the top JUCO running back. And that's really what South Carolina needs, Kenny, man. They need, uh, they, they just need to really upgrade their talent on the offensive side of the ball. So if he ends up committing to South Carolina, I think that's a huge get. Uh, sucks for Tennessee, but, you know, Tennessee's been really great on the recruiting trail already. But, you know, top uh, Juco running back decommits from Tennessee. Now, out of the top ten, no movement in the top ten this week. Uh, same as the, same as last week. Uh, so I believe it's Ohio State and Alabama that are at the top two. They will probably be fighting all the way until signing day. Now, you can always follow and interact with Prospects 101 on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're posting all of our content throughout the week, episodes. Take a look at some. We've had some really great preview episodes. Obviously, you got to give our Will Healy plug this week. Uh, you know, you want to hear a, a, you know, a bunch of three donks talk to a Division One head coach. You can listen to that one, one of our better episodes. Um, make sure you... Uh, listen to us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to stay up to date as well. A lot of great co- college football content coming up. Make sure, please give us a five-star review. We appreciate you spreading the word. We were sorry download numbers actually go up significantly this week. Look like we we're getting shared on a couple college football Facebook pages. So we do appreciate that. And for the ghost of Brandon Pastel, who's no longer here due to technical difficulties, for Kenny and for Glass, enjoy week four of college football. The wait is finally over. Football is back. My soul cries out hallelujah. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.